Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. It's kind of a bittersweet day today, finishing up the letters to the seven churches. I tell you, this is some rich, uh, deep material. When, When the risen Lord speaks into a church, uh, as we'll see today, he, he is the only one who sees completely rightly. When he says something, there, there can be no argument. You, you can try, <laughs> uh, and, and many have, uh, probably a lot of us in this room at one time or another. Uh, we've, we've tried to argue with the Lord's assessment of things. But we, we will eventually come to see things his way Be, because he is the, the faithful and true witness and, and he is the one completely true judge. So, you know, as I've studied uh, and delved into these letters again, uh, I just, I, I think about what it would be like to be the pastor of one of those churches and, and to get this letter. Because, you know, the... The thing is, these were not confidential letters. All of the letters were sent to all of the seven churches. Consider the pastors of the two churches that we looked at last week, Philadelphia and, and Smyrna, and they were going through it. And they were warned that they were about to go through it some more. And looking into their situation, humanly speaking, it, it looked bad. But Jesus' assessment was, oh no, things are good for you. Uh, you know, as, as a pastor, a leader, there, there had to be just some, some relief some some really great joy in knowing that the risen lord's assessment of your fellowship that it was there was nothing bad for him to say i mean especially after reading all seven of the letters you're you'd be saying things are bad but the lord says they're good and that's good enough for me and then we have Laodicea. Oof. If anyone in Asia Minor, you, you met them on, on the road or, or whatever, and you said, well, well, where are you from? 
And they, they kind of looked at you down their nose a little bit. And they would have said, well, well, I'm from the city. That would have been Laodicea. Kind of looking at whoever, saying, well, I don't care where you're from, but I'm from the place <laughs> where everyone wishes they were from. But I'll tell you what, I would not have wanted to get this letter from Jesus. I don't know what I would have done. I mean, I, I hope I would have just fallen on the ground in weeping repentance for the Lord's assessment of, of where my church was. You know, I, I, I say this with um, some humility, some encouragement to all of you. This, this is not us in, in Laodicea, but it could be. So the problem here with Laodicea, and you know, the the early uh, writers in in our our country, the early authors, the the early educated people, the early political leaders, they 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 all knew this book. Laodicean became an adjective. If if you look back in. Daniel Webster's early dictionaries, there, <laughs> there's an adjective, Laodicean. And if, if someone described you as Laodicean, that would not have been a good thing. Uncommitted, easygoing, careless, those, those would be synonyms. But indifference is is probably the the greatest adjective. When when you dig into that word in indifference, um, uncaring, unresponsive, apathetic, uninterested, unconcerned, unmoved, passive. Those would be words used to describe the people of this church. We, we don't see persecution here. We, we don't see the encroachment of paganism here. We see something worse. And that's saying a lot. Because Jesus was not happy with the churches that were becoming more pagan and adopting their practices, that he, he was not happy. But when the risen Lord says, I would just like to vomit you out of my mouth, uh, that's, that's cold. That's hard. That's a stern warning. Is, is what that is. So let's look at this letter. 
And let us determine how we can not become like this. Okay? Because it, it is very sad but true, but in, in the world today there are a lot of churches that are like this. And if, if you interpret these seven letters to the seven churches as being representative generally of different time periods in church history, then this is the one that we're in. That is a general interpretation, and, and I think for us today that this, if, if we don't fight against it, this, this could be where we end up. Because there, there is a pressure against remaining a spiritual church. It's something to be fought for, to, to be a, a spiritual church. The church in Laodicea was not a spiritual church. I'm, I'm thinking that it was a very large church and that if you visited the church in Laodicea without a lot of spiritual discernment, that you would think things were great. A big crowd... A lot of things happening, plenty of money, no shortage of uh, resources to get things done. Probably the most beautiful church facility later on, uh, probably not when this was written, but something was very, very wrong. So let's look at the letter. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, these are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler or the source of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to vomit you out of my mouth. That's the literal translation. Some clean it up a bit. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold, refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. 
He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Again, we, here we have a church that doesn't think they have any problems. It, it, was, it was a wealthy city. It was the banking center of Asia Minor. They, they were famous for the fabric that they produced there, and they were famous for uh, the, the medical treatments that, that were available there, specifically an ISAV, in, interestingly. <laughs> and and the, the cloth that they were most famous for was black. But this, this city was, was so wealthy that when the city was destroyed in an earthquake about 61 AD, Rome offered to help, and, and they declined. They said, no, we've got this. And, and they funded their rebuilding internally, and they rebuilt the city. I, I think the, the greatest problem in the church in Laodicea was they, they were a forerunner of humanism. It, it was not paganism that was their problem. They thought they were the solution because they, they were so wealthy. They, they were looked up to by all the other cities. They, they had good health because... And, and here's one of the reasons that, that I think this. One interpretation of Laodicean or Laodicea is opinions of men. And then there, there's another thing that I dug up was there, there was this uh, god of medicine that was wor worshipped very nearby and the, the name of the God was men. So they, they thought they had no problems because up to now they'd been able to look to themselves and they had the answer. Probably the people in the church had this attitude that God was lucky to have them. Um, I, I really believe that. And that is a dangerous place to live because God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. So yeah, I, I think we had some forerunners of the most popular religion in America today, humanism. The exalting of man that we, we, have, we have the answers. We, we are the answer. We just have to look within us. And that is not right. <laughs> we, we are very much in need of the answer. And, and the answer is a man, but he also happens to be 
fully God, and his name is Jesus. So, what were the problems here? These, these people were, were tepid. They, they were in, indifferent. And there are so many pictures in, in this letter of what life was like in, in Laodicea. They, they were right on this, this river, and, and there were hot springs up above that dumped into the river. And probably the people would go to the hot springs and they would sit in the hot water and, and enjoy it. But they were very much familiar with how unsatisfying the water was in that river right outside their city because it wasn't cold and it wasn't hot. It was just... <laughs> and it probably had a little bit of a sulfur odor and maybe a little bit of a sulfur taste. And they knew what Jesus... or Jesus knew that they knew what he was talking about. These, these people were independent. I, I speak this to all of us, especially after the ministry time that we had last Sunday for one another. It is not God's desire that we, as his people, live independently of him or of one another. You see, that's our state before we meet Jesus. We're independent. And for many of us, we, we discover that that does not work well for us. And we come to a place of loss, failure, self-destruction, whatever it might be. And, and we, we find Jesus and we become dependent on him. And that's how he wants it to be. But he doesn't want us to stay right there either because he, he wants to get us to the place where we are interdependent. Because he, he calls us a body. And a body has parts that, that are actually connected. And they work together to get things done. And if, if you, you just have a, a foot over there somewhere, it's in danger. If it's cut off from the body, if it's not connected, it's not joined to the body, uh, it's, it's not going to make it. And, and we, we have to understand, you know, in, in our culture, we, we have way too many options, way too many choices. 
In, if you lived in Laodicea, you, you had one church to, to be part of, the, the church of Laodicea. Uh, there, there weren't 150 to choose from. It, we, we have to understand it is a privilege to be part of a body, to be part of a church. We, we should not consider the church lucky that, that we're part of it. Uh, and, and being part of a church has certain responsibilities because we, we all, in Christ, who have been born again, we, we all have spiritual gifts that, that are not just for our own benefit. They're for the benefit of the body. And, and we, we need to learn better how to function as a body so that we, we can get the spiritual benefit of everyone's gifts Be, because they're all needed. And, you know, right, right now we're somewhat handicapped because, you know, I, as I look out, there are a lot of people who aren't here today. Where are their gifts? Well, their gifts are wherever they are, and, and they're not here. So they're of no benefit to us today. So I'm, I'm thankful for those of us who are here. But even for those of us who are here, you know, we, we have to have the idea that God's given us something for everybody. And, and what, what is that, and, and how do we give it to everybody? It's, it's not all that easy, but we, we have to try, and we have to move forward and, and try to get better at this. But I, I think in, in the church, see, we, we, we should count it a blessing and a privilege to draw grace and love from Jesus through each other, because that does happen. And that is how it happens. We draw grace and love and encouragement and empowering from Jesus through each other, through each other's love and spiritual gifts. And we, we all need that. But I, I think in, in this church, there wasn't a lot of spiritual gifts being displayed. There probably was not a whole lot of love being displayed in, in this church because people were too wrapped up in, in their own busyness of the great city that they lived in. You know, the, the more that I read about Laodicea, the more it sounded like the United States to me. Hmm. The other thing that is probably most disturbing about Laodicea is they were completely ignorant of their true spiritual condition. Humanly speaking, 
And judging by human standards, anyone would have said that there was not a more prosperous city in Asia Minor than Laodicea. Spiritually speaking, and according to the risen Lord Jesus, there was not a more poverty-stricken community in Asia Minor than Laodicea. How, how does that happen? It, it happens when we, when we lose sight of the Spirit and we, we lose sight of God's kingdom. And, and this, I mean, it happens to all of us. It's, it's happened to me. And we, we get so wrapped up in, in our own kingdom and pursuing our own agendas, our own priorities, that, that we, we kind of push the kingdom of heaven aside just slightly. Uh, and we know we'll get back to it because it, it's important and it's, it's always right there. But I'm just going to pursue this right now. And soon I'll come back to this. But then we, we find ourselves way over here somewhere and we, we kind of forget about God's kingdom because we, we got so busy with other things, with our, our own kingdom. We, we need the risen Lord to remind us of how important the spiritual and his kingdom is. So I, I want to read a couple passages because, see, there's, there, there is a, a true kind of spiritual community that God desires that we have within the church. It is impossible to manufacture. And it only really happens when... We minister to one another and we serve alongside one another or even serve one another in the power of the Holy Spirit. When we minister to each other in the true power of the Holy Spirit, there, there is a connection of hearts that, that happens that can't happen any other way. It's... It's, it's deeper than uh, rooting for the same football team or in, enjoying some recreational pursuit together or, uh, you know, in having some, some social connections in, in common. And, and what Laodicea had was they, they, they did not have the true spiritual community because... As, as I see them, they, they were stuck in a heartless religious expression of, of the church. Because this, this is the only church that Jesus had nothing good to say about. That is hard. 
because you, you know he, he wanted to say something good and, and give them some kind of encouragement, but there just there wasn't anything there. Sadly, I, I think there are quite a few churches that are that way. The, the Spirit has departed. And this is, this is why the letter is, closes the way it does, and, and we're, we're going to get to that. But if, if we want the kind of spiritual community that, that God intends for the church, then we've got to purposely pursue the things of the Spirit together, and we've got to purposely pursue serving together so that the Lord can knit our hearts together. And, and it's, it's easy for that not to happen. And, and it's, it's so sad when it does not happen. So, so here is, this is from Romans chapter 12, and, and Paul in, in, this, in the book of Romans right here is, he is talking about spiritual gifts, and, and we're going to jump in to this discussion in, in verse 4. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. That is that interdependence. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. And, and he's, he's giving us lots of advice on how to be a body. But then, this is the verse I really want you to get. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need and practice hospitality. The church in Laodicea lacked zeal for the spiritual. They lost their spiritual fervor because they were too focused on serving themselves. So this, this is important. If, if we want to continue on this journey of, of being 
a church that is alive in, in the Spirit, where the Holy Spirit shows up, where the presence of God is, then we need to never be lacking in zeal. And we need to maintain our spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Paul says this another way in 1 Thessalonians 5. A collection of very short verses starting in verse 16. He says, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything, hold on to the good, and avoid every kind of evil. It's not real difficult to put out the Spirit's fire. The Holy Spirit is, is such a gentleman. He does not come where he's not invited. He, he does not remain where he is not wanted and appreciated. So we must maintain welcoming hearts to the Spirit. And the writer of Psalm 107 has a, another way to put this. Starting in verse 8 of Psalm 107, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he satisfies the thirsty soul and the hungry soul he fills with what is good. The people of Laodicea had no hunger for the spiritual. They had no thirst for the things of God. They thought they were good. Oh, we're just fine. Things are great. Did you see the offering last week? Yeah. Did you see how many people were there? But when they read the letter from Jesus, it, it had to be painful. I, I think sometimes about what our default condition is. You know, where, where do we end up if we just kind of go with the flow? And we aren't purposeful in, in our spiritual pursuit. Well, I, I think in the, the time that we live in, I think Laodicea is, is probably the default condition for the church in our generation. That if, if we're not diligent about maintaining our spiritual fervor, if, if we're not careful about not quenching the Spirit's fire, what will happen? Well, 
we can end up just coming here and doing our time and going on to something that we're more interested in. Mm. Lord, don't let that be true of us. I, I, I want to get to uh, the end, but I, uh, I want to look at the three things that, that Laodicea really prided itself in and the things that, that Jesus said. First of all, they were proud of their financial wealth. And I, I told you already it was the banking center of Asia Minor that they were so wealthy when the city was destroyed, they just rebuilt it with their own resources. But what, what did Jesus say? You, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth. I do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And, and because of the wealth of the city, they had lots of beggars. And the people in the church would have looked upon them as, oh, those poor, wretched, pitiful beggars. You know, some, somebody should do something about them. Can't, can't the government do something? And, and Jesus describes the people, the wealthy people in the church that way. He says, you're the ones who are wretched and pitiful. The second thing they were so proud of was, was the clothing, the fabric, the garments that were made in Laodicea. You know, I'm not sure where the idea of dressing up to go to church originated, but it sure could have been Laodicea because they, they were proud of their stuff. But Jesus says, you may be dressed to the hilt, but you are naked in my eyes. And then the third thing that they were so proud of was the eye salve. <laughs> because they exported that all over the world and apparently it actually worked because it was, it was a hot commodity. And that's, that's the third thing that Jesus says. You are wretched, pitiful, naked, and blind. I mean, he, he hit them right where they lived. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and buy white clothes to wear instead of those black garments that you're so proud of so you can cover your shameful nakedness and buy salve from Jesus to put on your eyes so that you can see. 
See, they had this stuff that they thought was real. And Jesus is telling them, you know, what, what you think you've got, it's, it's worthless. If you want anything of value, you've got to come to me. You, you think you're wealthy? Well, you remember what Paul said in a letter to the Corinthians about how our works are going to pass through the fire and see if they're gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble. Because a lot of it's just going to burn when it passes through the fire. But some of it's going to remain. If you, you can look this week at John chapter 15, where Jesus talks about abiding, living in him. Because he, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And, and what does he mean by that? Is he joking? We can do a lot of things without Jesus, right? Well, the context is fruitfulness. The context is fruit that remains, fruit that lasts. The church in Laodicea was probably doing lots of things. But because they weren't living in Jesus and they, they had forgotten the things of the Spirit, all the things that they were doing were worthless. He doesn't say a single positive word about what they were doing. So the, the discipline of love in verse 19, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. So that Greek word that's translated rebuke can be translated admonish, convict, convince, tell a fault, reprove. It's a word that was often used in Greek literature, and it meant the kind of rebuke that causes a man to see the error of his ways, to admit he was wrong, and change. And when, when the risen Lord rebukes, you know he's telling the truth. All we can say is, yes, sir, you're right. What must I do? That word discipline is the same one used to train up a child in the way that he should go. And he says, be, be earnest to be zealous, be jealous for, be in a hurry to repent, to change the way you think. And now, now here is a really interesting thing about this, this short verse. Those whom I love, I rebuke, and discipline, so be earnest and repent. 
you, you would expect Jesus to use the word for love, agapeo, because that is the love of commitment that can't even be changed into something else. And for this church, you, you would think that that's the word that he would use. But he doesn't. And this, this, this was an insight that I, I'd never grasped before. He, he uses the word phileo, which is the word for warm and tender affection. And it's, it's these people who are such a mess. Who, who he has nothing positive to say about. But he, he uses the Greek word for that kind of love. It's, it's as if he's saying to those who are dearest to me, I exercise most stern discipline for their good. He still loves these people. There's, there's still hope for him. But then what he says, after verse 19, verse 20, so here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. If I were the pastor receiving this letter, that, that probably would be the one thing that, that would probably just cause me to run out into the desert of Africa and and not turn back. As you you probably heard a lot of sermons about that verse, how Jesus knocks on, on the door of your heart because he wants to get in. The door that he's knocking on is the door into this church because he is not there. He's, he's not there. He's on the outside. And he's knocking on the door of this church. The, the picture of the seeking God. We, we have the only God who, of, of all the, none of the other world religions have a God who came and looked for us and continues to look for us. All, all the others, they, they have to be sought after. But our, our God comes and he, he, he pursues us and he looks for us. And even this church that is in such a mess, he's knocking on the door to see if they will let him in. Jesus is the head of the church. Everything about his kingdom is voluntary. And man can take over and push Jesus out.
It's not such a rarity. I pray we never do that. But we must be diligent. We must maintain our spiritual fervor serving the Lord. We must continue to be a people who want to know what he wants. And we pursue that. Otherwise, we'll get too busy pursuing what we want and we'll end up somewhere where we don't want to be. You know, it, it kind of it reminds me of the parable of the ten young women or the ten virgins who five had lamps with oil and five had lamps with no oil. And there's, there's a time when Jesus is knocking and there's a time he's, he's not there anymore. And the, the five wise virgins, they heard the call, the master was coming. And they grabbed their lamps, they trimmed them, they, they got their fire going and they were, they were ready is they were watchful. And, and that, is, that is the word from Matthew 25. Be on the alert, for you do not know the day or the hour. And when that day and hour comes, those, those five foolish virgins, they, they went out to get oil. Well, it was... It was too late to get oil. There, there's going to be a time when it's too late for the church to open the door because Jesus isn't there knocking anymore. So how, how did the people of Laodicea respond? Well, this is one of those cities that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, it's, it's just ruins. I've, I've got a, a picture of the city somewhere. And it, it looks like, from what the archaeologists have put back together, it, it looks like it must have really been something. When the archaeologists found it, it there, was, there was nothing there. So I don't know how they responded. All we know is the, the witness of that church no longer exists. Quite different from Philadelphia and Smyrna. The two churches where Jesus had nothing bad to say. You know, as, as I read this letter this, this week... I just thought, Lord, your, your, your loving discipline has, has got to come. There's too many churches that are too much like Laodicea. Jesus still loves them. 
He, he still wants things to come into order. He, he wants to be invited in. But it's, it's going to take his discipline to, to do it. My, my prayer is that, that we will obey Paul, that we will never be lacking in zeal, but keep our spiritual fervor serving the Lord, that we will grow in the things of the Spirit, that we will grow as a body together, and Lord, that, that is my prayer right now, that, that we would not lack zeal for you, that you would give us hunger and thirst for you and the things of the Spirit, that we would maintain our, our spiritual fervor and hunger, that we would serve you, that we would not get distracted uh, by our own things, our own lives, but we we would seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and you, you'd take care of the rest. Lord, bless these people with hunger and thirst for you because you, you give drink to the thirsty and you satisfy the hungry soul. Lord Jesus, you know, would, would you just do this with me? Would, would every one of you Join me. And, and just, I don't want you to repeat anything after me, but, but from your heart, would you invite Jesus to, to be the head of this body and, and to dwell here and, and not leave? Could we all do that just, just right now? Just pray it yourself. Lord Jesus, you, you are the head we give you this place. We invite you here every time we confess our need for you. And we ask you to do all that you want to do in us and among us and through us for the sake of the city and, and beyond. We submit to you. Bring your correction, your teaching, your rebuke, and pour out your spirit on us for your glory. Amen.